0: Welcome back to the One Cast fans. This week, we're going to talk about a multitude of topics from the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame, Ben Milliken proving the haters wrong, to some of our local fishing recaps. That's a good one. That's a good.
1: One. Oh my god, it's a toad. It's a toad, f- <laughs> dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. Feel like it's going to be a bad day.
0: What is going on, fans of the One Cast? episode 18 as always i'm pete i got trey across from me ben here to my right Mm -hmm. uh this week we got a bunch of stuff we want to talk about hopefully you all have been enjoying the content uh you just just listen to alex with missile baits we had Corey on a couple weeks ago uh so we wanted to uh to talk about some stuff amongst ourselves and not necessarily have a guest this week Uh, as always i want to plug one cast fishing Uh, head over to onecastfishing.com check out our line of snagless jigs uh, long neck hooks. We also have the uh, weedless neds. Uh, get yourself some ordered if you haven't yet. Join the snagless revolution. Use the code the one cast all one word at checkout to save ten percent. Ben Trey, what's going on, guys?
1: Not much. Enjoying this nice weather we're finally having here in North Carolina. Get eighty degrees. Hopefully, uh, it seems like the last month during the week warms up. Come Friday, cold front storm comes through. And I think that's affected uh, the fishing of some of your, your tournaments yeah. mm-hmm. going on in the last few weeks.
2: I'm just ready for the pollen to go away. Like, it's yep. really jacking me up. I know myself and my daughter, we get really, really messed up from the pollen. But I will tell you that at least we're not facing snow. Uh, like some of the states in the north, I talked to my mom and she's like, yeah, we're supposed to get dumped with snow over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah.
0: <laughs> I called my dad this morning. He's like, uh, I'm like, what are you doing? He was like, uh, putting wood on the fire. I was like, what? I was like, what, are you <laughs> camping? He was like, no, it was 27 this morning. I was like, oh, it's 80. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's definitely been nice. Uh, it's
1: definitely helped our fishing out. Um, and we're going to talk about some of that too. So, But you know the worst thing about pollen and fishing? Is the pollen on the water. Not just on the water. It is that in time water, of year. But in the scope. water, try to use LiveScope with, with a bunch of pollen in the water. Yeah. It just clouds everything. Up yeah, there. I see. I see. I'm in a bunch of the groups like
0: for the different sonars and stuff and every day somebody posts a picture and they're like, I can't see anything. What's wrong? And I'm <laughs> like, where are you at? And they're like, North Carolina. And I'm like, it's pollen.
2: You know, you know what I've never done? <laughs> uh, and I guess I've seen it happen before, but I've never done it myself. Like taking the... What is it, like dish soap out there and like a squirt gun? Oh, just yeah. Just squirting the pollen off the water. I've never done that before. Yeah,
0: I actually fished with a guy um, like during bed fishing season. If we had a tournament, it was raining. He would carry a spray bottle of like vegetable oil with him, and he would get into a flat, and he would spray it down because it would dissipate the ripples from the water because of the way it happened. I, the, I tried it once.
1: I tried it one time. Uh, some dish soap and all, and I don't know if I did, but like I just had to get way too close. Yeah. To cl- and it was caked with pollen, so maybe that was probably it was in the back of a one, of, one of those
0: big pollen mats. Yeah. It's that like was, two inches thick.
1: Yeah, and it was a big fish under there too. But uh, he, yeah, I, I,
0: I remember when there. Heavy Hitters was there, was here. I think it was Adrian Avina caught one uh, out of one of those pollen mats on Jordan with a frog. He just threw. Oh it yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah, Like yeah, he was yeah, fishing yeah. a weed mat and, and ended up catching one. But um, yeah, the pollen, I'm over the cold fronts i'm over we got another one this weekend not quite as bad but still a storm all day saturday about a 15 degree temperature swing sunday
1: Mm.
0: (sighs) jordan is high and i've been having to sit at work which really stinks (laughs) because when jordan gets about that three foot mark it uh it gets really good so i'm gonna get out there tomorrow hopefully after work and take a friend of ours and uh, do a little bit of fishing but um,
1: before we get started talking about because i know uh this last weekend, Pete, you had your tournament up at Lake Gaston, which is up by the Virginia border. Um, and then you had yours and Sharon Harris uh, trade this. Like before we get into that, because we want to talk about kind of what's going on in our neck of the woods and some of the success or lack of success you all had out there. <laughs> uh, just depends on who you were. Uh, but we, there's some definitely uh, some bass fishing uh, news going around. And the first is that, I don't know if you all saw, but the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame uh, announced their inductees for 2023 right so this year yeah 2023 mm-hmm. so the big name that we all probably heard about is mike Akinelli that's right yeah um he is an absolute stud uh in the industry is he's been a fan favorite he's had a lot of success i know pete i mean he's up closer to where you are i mean he's from delaware right
0: no philly he was from pennsylvania he grew pennsylvania. up in philadelphia yeah
1: but Delaware river is his home water. Yeah. 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 Right there. That's why. Yeah. So I don't, I know you followed him for a a long time. So if you want to rattle off some success, he had, yeah.
0: Big fan of his growing up being a a Pennsylvania guy. And you know, when I was young, I liked, I liked his running around yelling, hollering. He was, I mean, you figure Oh three, when he won that first classic or won his classic, he was, uh, I don't know, 20 something years old. And everybody remembers when he caught that winning fish and he was screaming, never give up at the last minute. And, and a pretty cool story. But, yeah, so he's he's one of the few guys that have fished BSS, went to MLF, has come back to BASS, had success on both. Uh, he's won the Classic in 2003, like I said, uh, won uh, Angler of the Year in 2006. He also won a Bass Nation Championship in 1999, the only angler to do all three of those, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won a bunch of Opens. I can't remember exactly how many, but I think three or four mm-hmm. Opens. He's won on the Kayak Bass kayak series in twenty twenty one. Before he came back to Bass to fish the boat side, won a tournament fishing out of a kayak. Uh, won the Summit Cup with MLF in twenty seventeen. Just, uh, just a stud and and probably modern day. I would say the definition of self marketing
1: and just
0: sticking with who he was. He was, you know,
1: he got a lot of hate. It's, it's if you watch. You know, he he got a lot of hate, but he was right, right. He came to visit the Flambeau booth, which is right next to ours uh, at the Boss Master Classic, because he was coming over for an hour to do pictures, signings, and they had a line mm-hmm. wrapping around to the other side of the building like an hour or two before he was even supposed to be there. So, he, I mean, I think you're right. He had a lot of hate early on. I think there was some backlash of, you know, I mean, let's be real. Sometimes I find his screaming a little annoying. To, to me... He's one of those guys that walks the line, right? Like yeah, there's yeah. a line between professionalism.
0: There's a line where you go a little bit too far. There's a lot of guys that have done that in their <clears throat> career. Ike and Nelly, Ishman Rose, a guy that's always kinda walked that line. Mm-hmm. Uh, between being a little bit too far or, or being, you know, professional. Matt Robertson toes that line all the time. <laughs> we haven't really gotten into it, but you know, he's he's right there on that line a lot of times. And the hate wasn't really from fans for Ike and Ellie, but if you go back and watch clips of other guys fishing and Mike's close and he catches a fish (laughs) and they hear him pooping, a lot of times you'll see him look at the camera and go, if that was my boy, he'd have got a
2: whooping. (laughs) Love love him or hate him. The guy has made a a huge impact in the industry. Absolutely. You know, from the professional tournament angling side of the house to marketing and sales for all the, the, the sponsors that he gets support from to now the kayak world and the Ike foundation. So he has a lot of irons in the fire. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, yeah. He,
2: and, he, and he takes a very unique approach to how he, he doesn't change himself. I mean, at mm. least I don't know him personally, but like I said, love him or hate him, he is like, and no matter what, everybody knows the phrase, never give up.
1: Yep. Oh, exactly. And, and it's, I wanted to, you know, when I said, I thought, you know, it was a little annoying. I mean, his, his scream is a little high pitched yeah. over the top for me. We, we can all recognize it. I have no problem with it. Because he's not doing anything really against the other competitors or, or I think unprofessional. It's just, you're right, it's exactly who he has, is because he's been the same way. And if you watch him off the water, if you get to watch him off, he's very, I mean, he's high strong. He, he, he doesn't have an off button. Exactly. I mean, he's wired that way.
0: <laughs> like I know John and, and the guys at Missile who he works with, he you know, he's designed some jigs and they'll tell you, like, if they go out to a dinner with everybody or do anything. Ike is 100% on all the time. He yeah. never shuts mm-hmm. that off from the minute he wakes up to the minute he goes to bed. So
2: one of the most entertaining <clears throat> things, and and maybe you guys have seen this and yes, yes, full disclosure, I have TikTok, uh, but I'm just an old guy trying to make TikToks. That's what it says on my TikTok. <laughs> How many times can I say TikTok? But. I saw a couple videos. One of the ones I I just saw recently was his interaction with what you would consider a Karen. Uh, And, and she was telling him to get off, you know, not fish around her area. And he was extremely professional, very polite. And then he got to the point where it was like, all right, call the cops. I'm not leaving. Yeah. Right. Like he (laughs) got, he got super just, all right, you, you've, you've crossed the lines. I really like seeing those videos with Ike. And the other one that I saw, and this was years ago, was when he had an interaction. I think it was with KVD. I want to say it was KVD. Oh yeah, and they had an yeah. interaction on the water. And if you know anything about Kevin Van Damme, obviously from Kalamazoo, Michigan, you
0: get two Northerners barking at each other. It can go down. You know what I'm saying? There is no hospitality. I, I remember that one. That was that was a little heated. He got yeah. into. There was another one with him and a like a local angler too, where he was idling a grass line and went around the guy. And the guy, the guy actually started it with him, and then they kind of went back and forth. So,
1: yeah. I mean, I, got, I, I absolutely. I mean, I th- I, th- I think his real legacy is because of the personality he brought, allowed yeah. other people to bring personality to, to make the sport more engaging for the fans. So we yeah. can get to to know. I mean, a little more authentic. We just.
0: I also think when you see some of those interactions, either with other anglers or or things like that, and they go, they go a little bit sideways. That because people know who he is and the way that he is, that they might take it that way because mm-hmm. they know they can get a reaction. But it's, it's I'm excited that he he made it in. You can't you can't question. Oh, he should definitely be what in. he's done for the industry, what he's done as a fisherman, and uh, what his charity's done for for young folks getting in. There's two other fisher.
2: people. Um, I mean, well, lastly, congratulations, to Ike! Like mm-hmm. he totally deserves it. Uh, there's there's two other individuals that were inducted in the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame, and the other the other two I don't know, but we did do some research on them, and uh, one of the gentlemen's name is Bruce Holt. Uh, Bruce worked with, uh, G Loomis and Shimano, um, as an executive in the industry for, for 45 years. And, and that's a substantial amount of time. And he was really integral in like propelling bass fishing, uh, specific, specifically rod technology. So congratulations to him. He was inducted. You guys got anything else on, on him?
1: I mean, you're absolutely right. I I didn't know who he was until, until we, you know, we read the induction, but you know, he's one of those behind the scenes guys that does a lot for the industry, right? And because of his positions at, at G Loomis and Shimano, right, it's just not the lures and the rods that we get, but it's a support for the industry and the tournament, especially back when the tournament was I mean, that was the industry. We didn't have social media and all these other avenues. Like yep. I mean, being a part of that and helping promote bass, uh and the tournament, right? Definitely. There's a reason why he was, you know, he's being inducted into the Hall of Fame.
2: I think we, a lot of times we get starstruck with, with, you know, football players and and professional bass anglers and so on and so forth. But there's a lot of logistics behind everything that you, everything. And so those people that are actually making the sausage uh, are the ones that we tend to never see. Yep, and, and that's important for the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame, or for any organization to really recognize. I mean, you know, Pete's wife, she she's making some sausage at Cash and Rods, man, like really getting after it. And so, it's not only the piece of technology that you you should respect, but the people behind the product. And and he did that.
1: Yeah, and and what I what I do like about the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame, it's kind of like the NBA, or it's not the NBA Hall of Fame, it's the Basketball Hall of Fame. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So you got coaches and i i don't know if athletic directors and gms and all right it's not just necessarily athletes own you know maybe an owner or a coach in there right there's a lot of folks in the right in this industry in this sport that because because it goes well beyond tournament right there's a lot of conservation involved Mm -hmm. there's a lot right just you know most folks go out and just fish for fun Mm -hmm. um that there's a lot of different avenues that really to make this entire industry work right it's it's not just a tournament so you've got it you've got to pay pay the respect to the guys to do it behind the scenes right so bruce is one i'm we, we just yep. mentioned and the other one is an og and it's the only way i can describe him uh, after reading about and that's glenn andrews right because he was an industry pioneer who helped you know form the modern bass fishing rules and at the first all-american tournament um which i believe is 1967 in arkansas uh in arkansas yep uh he was Right side by side by Ray Scott, I think, running that thing. So right. he was very instrumental with that. And he, he had some success back in the sixties, winning some, you know, state championships in, in Missouri and Arkansas. So definitely an OG of the sport, um and, and of this industry. And he was the first guy to market the Texas rig. Yeah. Well,
2: Pretty much the first thing that all bass anglers start off fishing with is like a Texas, a Texas rig. Even if you, you don't, know, know, what even if you don't know what it is, know what it is. <laughs> a Texas rig. So yeah. thank you, Glenn Andrews, for the Texas rig or pioneering that.
0: Yeah, and I think it's cool, you know, that he helped form tournament rules in the 60s that are still followed today. So, yeah. you know, I, I caught some heat because I said bat fishing hasn't changed a lot. When obviously bass fishing <laughs> has changed a lot. But the rules that we do and, and kind of the uh, – I guess the mentality or the sportsmanship going into it hasn't changed a whole lot. So it's pretty neat that those, those rules have, have stayed the same and they haven't had to make a bunch of performance enhancing drug illegal and things like that like some other sports. But
1: What do you think a life scope is? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a tool. That's a tool, yeah. not a drug. So is HGH. Well, yeah. it's, a, it's a tool. <laughs> yeah, does, yeah. Does,
2: does bass fishing, does professional bass fishing have a code of conduct?
0: Yeah, I mean, well, so each specific has, organizations yeah. do, yeah. So like BSS has one, I'm sure MLF has one. Yeah, I mean, even most of your, your clubs, clubs have, yeah. you know, a their bylaw, yeah. yeah, which essentially is that. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, does it brag? I assume. Yeah, yeah, we we've,
1: we've all got you know because you lay out how the tournaments are going to yeah. be run, how points are going to be calculated, and what the violations are. Like if someone cuts you off and they're within fifty feet of you, then that's a violation. Yep. <laughs>
0: We yeah, may so, talk uh, about that. No, nah, we're not going to talk about that. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so those three folks getting into the 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 Bass Fishing Hall of Fame. So, again, congratulations to Bruce Holt, uh, who I believe is still living. Uh, no, Bruce was the one that had passed away. So, Bruce Holt. And Glenn, I believe, is 89. Uh, Glenn Andrews, 89 years old. And, obviously, Ike and Ellie, I believe, is 50 this year. Uh, congrats, he doesn't congrats look a day over 25. Three. Uh no. <laughs> He really does. If you look, no, man. I mean, other than when he won that first classic and he was a real skinny <laughs> inner city kid with his spiked hair and looked like he weighed about nine pounds. He he, he hasn't, he hasn't changed a whole lot no. in all those years. But congrats to those folks yeah. and uh, super excited to uh, to have some new members oh. in there. And
1: oh. One more thing I want to mention here before we wrap up this Bass Fishing Hall of Fame discussion because um, it sounded like you were about to transition there. I was. But the uh, the I Bass forgot. Fishing Hall of Fame, right, offers a scholarship uh, to folks going to college. So a couple couple episodes ago, we had Corey Oakley on, who is one of the, well, actually his official title is the Assistant Chief for um, Sport Fish for Inland Fisheries for North Carolina uh, Wildlife Resource Commission. So he, he's, he's got a master's degree in, in biology of some sort, fish biology. So I'm really proud of you for not butchering that. Well, I would have butchered it, but so, anyway. Well, <laughs> I know that because I, I spent like an entire two days chopping up those clips. Oh, right. That's <laughs> true, yeah. but I, so I, I watched a lot of the episode. Uh, but, uh, and I had to type it out a bunch because people want a debated scientist. I'm like, okay, well. Here's one. What, what do you do for a living? Um, but so, but but if you do want to do that for a living, right? Yep. Talk, Management. talk about a good transition there. Uh, they offer a uh, scholarship to $15,000 for students seeking. Um, A degree in natural resources and fishery management. So the deadline's May 31st, 2023. You can probably just Google uh, the Bass Fishing Hall of Fame scholarship, but we wanted to bring that out um, because one, I think we we think it's a very interesting topic. We love the discussion we had with Corey. I think we all need to have more discussions with our wildlife management as, as anglers. And we need good folks, right, to go in there and try to manage these populations so that they're here for the generation. So if you're interested, make sure you go check that out. If you
2: want to become a better bass angler, then there's no better way to learn about a bass and its resources, its habitat, everything like that, than going to school for it and getting the science behind it. And that's for Corey, and, and I'll stay on this just for a second. Like I learned so much and there's so much more to learn. And Bass is offering this opportunity. You can go right to the Bassmaster website. There's a PDF document that's on there that breaks down all the criteria needed uh, for somebody submitting that application. Like Ben said, 31 May of this year, 2023 is when the deadline's due. Go get smart on Bass and then go catch more. And
0: then just one last thing on that. We're going to have Corey back because we got a lot still to talk to him about. We got the hot topics out of the way, but we want to talk about fish behavior, things like that. We want to talk about careers in fishery. So if you're a young a young person listening, maybe a sophomore, junior in high school, you're not really eligible for that this year. We're going to have an episode coming later here in 2023 where we're going to talk about the different avenues of, of going into fisheries management and the different things you can do with that. Uh, and and uh, so, you know, stay tuned for that. And if, if you have a, have a want and a passion and that's something you might be interested in, that scholarship uh, is going to be around for a while, I'm sure.
1: So definitely check that out. I mean Trey, as you said, right? If someone wants to get become a better angler, right? Become a fishery biologist, but there's somebody who has proven to be mm. a very good angler here recently, and uh, this was on display again at the last Bassmaster Open, which is on Toledo Bend, and uh, I don't, Trey, Pete, I, I know you guys were keeping up with it. What'd you guys think? What happened? Yeah,
0: so I'm a fan of the guy, and I have been for a while. Uh, I've seen both sides of the the hate he gets and people that like him. Uh, the MFers, as he calls them, because he's mm-hmm. Millican fishing. But Ben Millican, uh, two Opens tournaments now. His first two multi-day tournaments he's ever fished. Has a fifth place and a first place now. He's won <laughs> won his second Open he's ever fished. He's going to fish the Classic next year, uh, almost on a home lake, which is scary to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's right there in Texas now, fishing Grand Lake, Oklahoma. Waters, he's spent a lot of time Similar waters, he spent a lot of times on. Obviously, there's other guys, Jason Crisp- Christie's, an Oklahoma guy. There's some other folks that are locals, but the dude, I mean, he made you know he made a name for himself from YouTube, and I'm sure that's where Trey found him, where, where most folks have found him. Obviously, um, what I like about his YouTube videos, and even now his tournament recaps, is he tells you exactly what he did when he sat up there and got that trophy. He stood there and broke down. All three days, exactly what he did each day, how it changed what he found. We talk about it all the time, right, Trey? Ben, grow. we want to grow the industry mm-hmm. until it's time to grow the industry. Milliken wants to see people go fish and wants to see him be successful. Uh, I'll let Trey talk a little bit because he's gotten a lot of hate. I don't know how much of it he's seen, but...
2: Yeah, I mean, when he first started out, you know, he was one of the pioneers in the YouTube industry along with some of the other people that we mentioned in previous episodes. But I think it's important. I think he went from the football field to the fishing industry, if I'm not mistaken. I think he didn't play college level football or maybe for a certain period of time. He has a family family man, right? Um, But he he did something very unique pretty much by himself. And worked his way, and we talked about it previously, worked his way uh, from YouTube into Sixth Sense Fishing, now being part owner, now fishing the Opens, Elite Qualifiers. But he has received a lot of hate. In fact, I remember watching one video where he was doing some, um, some bait reviews where he cut open the baits and mm. talked about how similar certain bait organizations were copying baits and he wanted to cut those open for his fans to show them the details and and what they were really looking at and how similar certain things were and stuff like that but he has gotten a lot of hate um he's taken a lot
0: of risk he's taken a lot of risk he's uprooted his family from nebraska well even even before that he had a a a very well-paying job as a a pm in a big yeah firm and and was making good money and Started making a little bit of money on YouTube and said he took a leap of faith when, I mean, pre Guggen and it was kind of when everybody was coming up, John B and all those, but he was one of those, like you said, pioneers that even before this one that you're about to talk about, quit a job, I'm sure (laughs) six-figure job with a wife and a child. Yeah to to chase youtube content and and the, his passion of fish and
2: you know? he's not the only one like there, so many of those anglers out there are risking a lot by fish trying to fish professionally you know from mark daniels jr who had a really good um, I think he had a state government or maybe a private job working in as a, as a biologist. And then you got Brian Latimer who was working, got fired his- by his own dad, Yeah, <laughs> you know, but he, you know, he, he's somebody that's really created a niche in the industry. He's got a lot of hate for hey, it.
0: Go ahead, Pete. I just want to say, I think what's unique with him is a lot of these guys quit jobs to go fish, right? He didn't have to fish the opens to try to qualify for the elite. or so mm-hmm. Do anything more than what he's been doing. I mean, you're talking about a guy that averages a quarter to a half million views on, on his YouTube videos, has close to a million I think he's well over a million subscribers on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have to do that. Yeah. You know, he was successful fishing local stuff. There, There's plenty of guys we know in North Carolina alone that have made a living fishing local tournament trails. It's not something that he had to do. No. But I think
2: what I don't know But if I was him, all the hate that I got would inspire me to go lay a bunch of waste on the water. You know, it's interesting.
1: After his latest win here, I actually saw a lot of positive feedback on Mm -hmm. Facebook, a lot of the comments. I think sometimes there was maybe a—maybe it was deserved, but there there was a reputation that the YouTube anglers weren't serious, professional anglers that they couldn't do at the highest level Mm -hmm. because— right. Like Take Milliken for example. He's out catching big fish all the time. He's showing exactly what you're doing, but you don't necessarily know the movie YouTube magic that goes on yeah. and how much editing and actually how much time was spent in the water for that little clip, right? Right. Sometimes you just don't know, and you right? And because you're not seeing him at this next level, you're not really sure. And, like, some other YouTubers have tried to fish the Opens, and, well, they didn't go the whole <laughs> season because that did not work out for uh, them. Um, yeah. But I it, want to, but I'm not going to. No, I but mean, anyway. like
2: he he's made a name for himself, and and I think more than anything, he's proven to the industry. Not only is he good at marketing a, a product, not only is he good at being a content creator, but now he's good at fishing a multi day tournament. He, at, he
1: marketed himself. He's too. not good. He's like he's freaking he's really phenomenal good. right now. <laughs> I, I don't think people realize his second open ever, he he, he won, won the open. Yeah. Not by a close. It was by a not, ten pin. It's not even so a much landslide. But and the first one he was in, he finished fifth. And they remember, not canceled again. They canceled a day and those fish were coming to him. Yeah. Right? He had a right? shot. Like he because a legitimate that, shot. I think he... The weights were a lot closer down at Ufala, yeah, right? Yeah, they were never closer. I think he was maybe five or six pounds. But I don't even maybe. know if he was that, yeah. But, but
0: he, had, he had a shot, if they don't cancel that day, to, to potentially win the first two. And I think also impressive, it's his really the first two multi-day tournaments he's ever won and if anybody out there fishes tournaments if you've never fished a multi-day tournament it's a whole different thing And you can go out and be a hammer right and when your little your one day i say your little club one days, blah 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 because that's all i fish now anyway but and that's a lot of the hate he got oh yeah you can go out and beat up your local guys on a tuesday nighter but you couldn't hang with the big dogs and you would see it all the time when he would do his his local tournament recap videos well I think he's shut them up pretty effectively at this point. A first and a fifth in his first two tournaments. He's
1: fishing the Bassmaster Classic
0: next year. Eufaula was a lake he had never fished prior to pre-fishing for this event. He had never been on it and came in fifth. Obviously, he had some experience on Toledo Bend, being from Texas. Uh, really interested to see what he does when he comes up here to North Carolina to Bugs. You know, yeah. there's a I've talked to some a few folks I know fishing fishing EQs that have asked me about Bugs Island. Uh, you know. This is being recorded. It's still, they're still allowed to get information. It's not closed yet. Uh, but those, you know, those folks reached out and uh, North Carolina, if you don't have a lot of experience here, Trey said it on a, several podcasts, I'll say it. If you can catch a bass here, you can catch a bass anywhere. Cause this is, this is a tough state to fish. Other in.
2: than a private stocked pond. You, if you can catch a fish in North Carolina, you can catch one. anywhere. It is. It's
0: tough because we don't have the grass like you do in, in Northern fisheries on most bodies of water. Also, people don't understand how much pressure these local, especially the lakes local to us, you know, Jordan Falls, Harris, Gaston, Norman. The number of tournaments, the number of guys that are just out there fishing for fun, uh, the number of people bank fishing, it's not like anywhere else in the world you, you or know, in the country. This brings up an interesting... And it's year... Just that pressure can be year-round.
1: It brings mm-hmm. up an interesting discussion. I was actually looking on the map the other day. Like, what other big cities, right, if I wanted to... Go on vacation, but be nice to like a destination lake, but like be close to a downtown or something. Where would I want to go to? Guntersville. Like, there's not a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Like when you think a lot of the big, the big bodies of water you want to go to, there's not like a, a big city around it. To, you know, if you want to go for a week or two, yeah. Raleigh. I mean, most Raleigh's just so big, right? And are and lakes here are relatively small. Fourteen thousand yep. acres, fifteen thousand yeah. acres, five thousand acres. I mean, Norman's huge, but we know it's not very productive, um, and then it's huge, right? Charlotte's right there, and, yep. and so there's definitely a lot of pressure, and that's part, maybe some of the reason with North Carolina. Yeah, I
0: think pressure plays a big role. Yeah, there's not as much structure. We don't have you don't have hydrilla, you don't have other grasses. And we talk about it with Corey, right? It was like shooting fish in a barrel on Harris back when we had hydrilla. Because you just the hydrilla, those fish could get spread out. They're more concentrated now on a lake like that because there's only so much structure for those fish to, to be on. Mm-hmm. You see it at Jordan. When you find those community holes at Jordan, you know, there's there's a little bit more room there to wiggle around. But those primary community holes, there's a lot of guys that fish them every day even at the same time and I mean, i've looked it looked like boats were tied to each other fishing some of the offshore humps and things so guys you know guys and gals that are successful usually find some things that aren't as popular but you know hold a few fish but you don't you know i, I was actually talking to my dad today um in pennsylvania and they fish fish presco and lake erie there and it gets pressure this time of year as the smallmouth start stage to spawn but i had to say You know, you've been down here, you've seen pressure. I mean, I've fished Jordan (laughs) in a 90 boat tournament going out of Farrington and there's a 40 boat tournament going out of one of the other. There's
1: no spots. Like if it's it's summertime, offshore time, there were no spots. Everyone's sitting on one. You know, I think we talked about this before and, um, you know, up North, because a lot of places freeze over Mm -hmm. and it gets so cold that that pressure diminishes on those fish for several months at a time. Um, and then, I, I, because there's other fisheries that are important up there, pike, musky, walleye. Yeah. Um, it takes some of the pressure away. When you move south, you, North Carolina's in that weird transition. Like You start going down to South Carolina and floor, Georgia, Florida, you start seeing more grass in our lakes. Yep. Eel grass, hydrilla, more milfoil, coontail, even like Kissimmee type of you know uh, grass. Like, just kind of weird transition here. And when I think going out west, right you've you tennessee river lakes and out towards like uh missouri and bull shoals those lakes one are a whole lot bigger they also pull a lot more current mm-hmm. current you have a lot more rock which they don't hardly pull any here unless it's a flood yep yeah you know and, and then you have other conditions that are messing up the fish because the water's raising and yeah. muddy etc you know type like of we're
0: country. dealing with now but so back back to milligan well, before we get two too off because we're going to talk about our fishing and we'll talk more about all this but i'm really i know we talked about it i'm i'm interested to see how he does here because it's a different style fishery
2: well to circle it back around to pressure i think he is doing something that works well under high pressured fisheries agreed you know he's not necessarily going after the same fish that a lot of anglers are going after he's not necessarily just running the banks because most of these southern lakes like the right time of the year, you can catch five off the bank, but are you going to catch the right five? And I think that's, if he was doing anything right, like he knows how to use his electronics. He knows how to trigger big bass to bite big baits. He also knows when not to use those big baits, right? So when you look at his first tournament, he started deep cranking and he limited out within the first five casts, but he knew how to manage those holes that he was fishing. And then when you fast forward, to Toledo Bend, he's fishing a shad spawn and then he, or he's fishing, what was he fishing the first day? He He started,
0: well, first day he was fishing, I believe offshore. Offshore. And that's where he'd found in practice and it kind of dwindled on him. And then, yeah, he, so just to to cut recap a little bit, he found clay banks, main lake points and things. He found a shad spawn early, early. It was actually going a little longer than normal, but I don't know if that's normal in Texas, whatever, but he found a thread fin spawn and started throwing a bigger bait, getting bigger bites. Well, then he noticed that threadfin spawn ended, and all of a sudden a bunch of gizzard shad moved up and started spawning. And for those that don't know, a gizzard shad, I mean, eight, nine inches you can find big. gizzard shad. And when you see a lot of those big swim baits, and they get that big round profile, that that's simulating a gizzard shad. So he found that, and it was something nobody else was doing. I mean, yeah. clearly, they, I, I'm sure some other folks were fishing that threadfin spawn, but he saw those gizzards move in, and he just started running that stuff, and I mean, he averaged twenty five pounds. If it's a four day tournament, he's in a century club, assuming the last day he the bottom waxed doesn't 20 fall pounds. Yeah. yeah, but to yeah. average twenty five pounds on on your second your second <laughs> open event over three days is. Is wild too, and,
2: and you're right. Like we'll see what happens the rest of the the tournaments of the year. He has a lot of momentum. He's doing something that he likes to do. I think that's important with all anglers fishing competitively is fish your strengths. And if you, it, it, that gut feeling does tell you, and you can burn out on a gut feeling. I mean, it's happened to me tons of times. Oh, and yeah. we're talking one day tournaments, but that gut feeling, and and you're going with it. But I think that's what makes him, you know special right now in 2023 is he is adapting to change he knows how to target big fish maybe it was learned from oh ivy but maybe it's just he knows how to use his electronics he knows how to trigger
0: fish i was gonna say he, he was doing it long before oh yeah, ivy
1: when i he was on um fish the moment the other night with johnny doing a live and I, I i watched a little bit of it and you know he was in that swim bait game you know before there were really swim baits you know i think he was talking about how tactical bass maybe had one or two early swim bait videos. So what, 10, 12 years ago. Yeah. You know, he started out fishing a six inch, I forget the name of the bait, but you know, the top hook, like a little pokey bait, you can, but six inch. And and then he did a lot of experimenting and then over the years, and of course now it's probably been exponential learning after having life scope and seeing fish reactions. Like he's extremely confident in targeting fish, big fish, big fish on bodies of water that typically don't haven't been fished that way. We're starting to see more of it because it's becoming more of a trim because of the mag draft and all that. Yep, but yep. he's got the confidence and the experience and mm-hmm. a technique that a lot of other guys or don't have nearly as much on.
2: I don't have it. No. I, I got mag drafts tied on right now. I got glide baits. I got all sorts of stuff. And I just do not have the confidence. And, and, and what it, I think that's one of his strongest traits is he dedicates himself to doing something different.
0: And yeah. he became strong ahead. He's proved he can catch him anyway. He's proved he can catch him on big baits. And and the last thing I have to say on on Ben Milliken is he could bomb the rest of the year, the, whatever. He's doing something 99% of us are never gonna do, and he's fishing a Bassmaster Classic next year. Yeah. Yeah. He won an open tournament. The dude the dude can fish and, and there would still be people hating saying, well, he did it in his home state, blah, blah, blah. He's only lived in Texas for two years, by the way. Yeah. But it's just it's a, it's really cool to see somebody hone their craft, and he and when people ask why now, he said because I finally feel that I'm it's something I've wanted to do for a long time. I finally feel like my skill set is well rounded and good enough that I can go out and compete with these folks. Yeah, and he's doing it, and and to the to the point today, he's he's competed and <laughs> and he's at the top of the leaderboard for points for the year, and and. uh yeah, for all so, you,
2: for all the guys jumping in yeah. that aren't fishing all the EQs and they're just fishing locally here at Bugs Island in the opens. Go, go get after it. You know yeah. what I mean? Go, go fish against them and and see how. I mean, Bugs is it can be an easy place to fish, but it, it can be extremely challenging because it's in North Carolina. Everything's challenging in North Carolina. So, I last thing I'll say on him is I like how he's repping his area code. Uh, on stage. He's keeping it simple. He's standing proud uh, for his homeboys. I know I got a couple of buddies that um, are stationed here at Fort Bragg that, that know him and uh, they're, they're super proud of that. And, you know, circling back around to pressure real quick. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this and maybe it's, maybe it's not like this at other military installations, but when you talk about pressure on a body of water, against a lake that's 4,000 acres or 13,000 acres, we're not talking a hundred boats being a significant amount of pressure. We're talking 10 to 15 boats that know where the community holds are at. Mm -hmm. That puts a lot of pressure on these lakes. And a lot of the people around this military installation are retired fish Sunday through Sunday. They get after it every single day of the week. So I don't know if a lot of veterans fish, but I, I can tell you in my experience, like retired veterans are out on the water, putting the hammer down and they're putting a lot of pressure on it. Good for them. I'm glad they're out there, but yeah, a lot of pressure does get put on the
1: bodies of water. So we'll see what happens at bugs. It'll be interesting. So, yeah, so we talk about pressure,
0: different bodies of water, North Carolina. Uh, Trey and I both had tournaments this past weekend. Ben's been fishing locally. He doesn't really do the tournament stuff, but he's been getting out when he does. Uh, Trey was the closest on old Cher, old Cheryl Harris. <laughs> old Cheryl Harris here uh, right down the road from us. So, Trey, you want to talk about uh, – let's have you talk about yours first because you had one one day, PBC.
1: Yep. Yeah. It's a mid-April tournament here in North Carolina. So if you live further north, maybe about a month, this is coming to you. If you live further south, maybe wait next year. It might apply. Who knows? Yeah. So
2: mid April, Sharon Harris, uh, really nice to fish Harris just due to the fact that it's like five minutes down the road, uh, from the house. But I was looking forward to that tournament just because I spend so much time, um, on that body of water. And you know, for those of you don't know, it's a, it's a relatively small reservoir. Um, it is part of the Cape Fear river, uh, basin, um it is not a hot, there's no warm water discharge in that lake. So I've seen it on some threads before where people are like, oh, that's a hot hole lake. Like, no, it's not. Like the the warm water discharge is in a lake that's up above um the lake. So yeah, we fished the uh the Piedmont Bass Classics Trail. Uh we had 54 boats mid April. I've been fishing it a lot. And you know, there's there's certain techniques that everybody knows pretty much work. Um, on most of these bodies of water uh, in North Carolina during that time, depending on where you're at, uh, I can tell you what does did not work was the uh, the lizard bite, um, and this, this it was funny. We're the like, daggone lizards. Yeah, so you know the lizards. Uh, if, if you don't know, like the lizards get out during the spring, uh, when the when the bass start moving up or when fish start moving up in general, a lot of the lizards will get down into the the water and they'll start eating the eggs after the fish spawn. A lot of the, the eagles and ospreys and different uh, birds will, will grab those lizards. They'll drop in the water. So I know, Ben, you caught your PB, did you not? Or were yeah. your big fish on a lizard on Harris?
1: Yeah, it was my previous PB, but it was during the spawn at Harris. I was you know, throwing a lizard in, in the little reeds they have around there. And uh, I was catching a lot that day. And then I just happened to look over and see a dark spot and flipped over to it. And whatever I was thrown to was not the big fish because she darted out from nowhere and came and grabbed <laughs> mm-hmm. it. She was seven and a half pounds at the time. Yeah. That was probably like seven or eight years, six, seven years ago.
2: Yeah, that bite wasn't on. Um, and fish, uh, fish, geez, Pete, uh, you fished the Spring Warrior Clash mm-hmm. uh, a couple of weeks, weeks ago yeah, yeah. on the lake. And uh, that was a tough one. That was was a tough one. That was earlier, April.
0: High pressure Um, system the day before. Wind, rain
1: the day before. I I know we mentioned it earlier on, but kind of the pattern the last month really here in North Carolina is that maybe Tuesday through Wednesday will be 70s, even sometimes mid-80s. Yep. uh, But windy typically. And then we have a pretty big windstorm and rainstorm either Friday or Saturday. 20, 30 degree temperature swings. Yeah.
2: So that was definitely part of my planning factor. So leading up to the tournament on Harris, we had, you know, three, four days of good warming trends, uh, moving up into you know the mid seventies and stuff like that. So we had 54 boats in the tournament. Um, I pretty much knew the pattern we were going to roll with. However, I was very surprised on the lake about mid to the last quarter part of the day. Uh, we ended up finishing sixth out of 54 boats, uh, cash to check, um, and it was a really good tournament. We caught one over that was 5.7 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I haven't seen this in a long time, but the winners of that tournament caught 22 pounds. Mm. And if you knew anything about this lake, or if you know anything about this lake, this was a lake that in the day, back in the day, you could go and catch 30 plus pound bags. And that means all the fish are over. Uh, 20 inches, right? Because 16 to 20 inches—that slot limit—we talked about it with Corey in detail. Yeah, it used to
1: be very good trophy lake. If you yep. go watch that episode of Corey, there's a lot of factors involved of what's changing it, here So I definitely go check it out. Because even if if you're not know, in North Carolina, it could apply to any lake depending yep. on what happened. Yeah, there were
0: several 40-pound bags caught there in the heyday. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and 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 even though
2: I'm on that lake a lot. It was still different than the, the, well, I was on the lake on Monday and we fished Saturday and it was very a very different bite. Um, your traditional baits were working because fish were on the bed. So your traditional Texas rigs, thank you, uh, recent inductee in the Hall of Fame. Uh, for the Texas rig, your, your wacky worms. We're working. Um, started the morning off with top water because sometimes you can generate a good top water bite. I got a good buddy that's been catching some overs, but we didn't. We didn't get any top water bites. So throughout the day, uh, it, it just kept getting warm, man. It was it was hot. It was really hot. Uh, we did catch a five fish limit. Our biggest being five seven, put us in six, But it was interesting. So the very last two hours of the day. Uh, we found a post-spawn like tertiary point inside of a cove in dirty water with a jerkbait in about a foot and a half water. And my my fishing partner, if you don't know anything about the Piedmont Bass Classics Trail, it's a team trail. And he picked up a jerkbait. And I was like, what there's no wind? It's hot. I'm like, what are you doing? It just kind of goes against everything mm-hmm. that we all think like we know what the bass are gonna do. And he rips that jerkbait and he's like, I got one. I was like, No, you don't. Yes, he does. So he's bringing this fish in. I nut the fish. He puts it in the live well. And I'm like, Well, I'll just take his rod then and just whip that jerkbait out there. Whack, whack. Two more fish. And then a third, uh, fourth fish eventually. And it was it was really cool. So just when you think you know what's going on, you learn something new. Yep. And that, so we rolled with that for a little bit.
1: That jerkbait bite I have found has been very effective during the actual spawn for me over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned that down in Watery several years ago that I couldn't get these bass to bite on the bed. So I'm go going to throw a jerkbait up there and see. And I went over the bed and this big female came out of nowhere and grabbed me. Yeah. And this year on, on my little lake... I was just, I know they're up there. And so I'm just working it, you know, kind of because they bed and then it drops off and all. And like it's, it's been very effective that it's just that it's ripping through and it's maybe it's, it's like a bait fish chasing it and just it's, swim baits do really well too. Yep. They'll mm-hmm. just poof, come attack a swim bait. I know, will. Coming across, like a big swim bait coming across the bed.
2: Yeah. And I, and I did throw a mag draft in the morning. I tried to generate a big bite on mag draft, a big bite on a buzz bait. I didn't have any luck. But what I did see, is I 100% saw a shad spawn and my fishing partner didn't believe me. And I'm like, how do you not believe me? There's a mile stretch of shad flickering on the bait on the bank line. Uh, But there was definitely a shad spawn. It caught probably the biggest crappie I've ever seen caught on a Texas rig. It was crazy. The crappie was like, I don't know. He's probably a pound. Um, But it, it wasn't without a challenge. And I say that because we talked about that pressure a little bit ago. We also had another tournament series at the same ramp, Uh, and mind you, a 4,000 acre lake, give or take a little bit over that, over that.
0: Yeah. But how many, at least 1200 of that's not fishable. Right. Right,
2: That's right. There's a lot of buoyed off areas that you can't fish close to the, close to the plant. So not only did you have 54 boats in the Piedmont bass classics, you had over 20 something boats in another local trail. And then you had a crappie tournament that was fishing between Jordan Lake and Harris. They actually, they they had to weigh in at Farrington boat ramp on Jordan, but they could fish either lake. And so there were several crappie fishermen and then the wakeboarders are out, gentlemen. Yeah. The wakeboarders are out. The tubers, the wakeboarders, the jet skiers, mm. the leisure.
1: So that's actually why I didn't really get out this weekend on my lake. I'm, I can't they're they're
2: already out. <laughs> yeah, they're out. And and it, granted, everybody needs to be able to share the water, but every single spot you went on the lake, there was at least two to four, if not five boats in a cove. And so it was really funny. My fishing partner said, I know you're a nice guy but I want you to get a little aggressive and fish close to people. I was like, well, I can get aggressive. How close I'm going to get will depend on the other person. And so we fished behind people the entire day. So I think it really just a lot of luck played into it. Um, But there's also a certain way that I fished that lake that, It just tends to work for me. So all in all, great tournament. I was really looking forward to that one because I didn't have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning, even though I did and i started dumping ice in my live well because i don't have a lot of money so i can't afford an icon boat and uh we went out there and brought five alive back to the scales and north carolina was out there continuing to do what they do best and that's collecting dna samples on any largemouth that's over five pounds and there were several five six seven and even an uh, eight and a half brought back to the scales so it was a great event um and my wife came out for it so that was really cool oh nice yeah yeah
0: yeah, I fished a completely different fishery, one that's been destroyed by the old Alabama bass and Lake Gaston. The invasion. Uh, the invasion of the Alabama bass, the, the, the spotted bass that isn't a spotted bass, but is. Now, they are two different species. We've had people arguing on social media all week how a spot's a spot, but they're not. Um, so I, we fish Lake Gaston, my club, two days uh, Saturday, Sunday. Each day is a separate tournament in our regular season because you have to fish ten to qualify for the the end of year championship. And that, so they break them up into two separate ones so, in case you can only fish one day.
1: So, are there ten events? Like 10 no, there's more than ten events.
0: Okay, so but they you, break it in so if you can only fish Saturday, can't fish Sunday, you don't lose out on a whole tournament. Okay, okay. and then our classic uh, this year's on Norman, and it'll be a Saturday Sunday combined <laughs> weight tournament because yes yeah, in, uh, in november on norman so it's you better be pay attention to their what like their <clears throat> medulla their, oblongata or whatever they're their,
1: their peed, peed, uncle. This, Her peed uncle i'm to tell you the <laughs> pattern right now <laughs> Drop i shot. scope an alabama rig yeah
0: that's pretty much
1: pretty <laughs> much go, my plan you're gonna pull into a cove i'm just gonna look at hop rot. on the trolley motor you don't see a school you pull to another cove i'm
0: gonna try to catch all five <laughs> on one cast on an alabama rig. catch them <laughs> by the five numbers. but so uh yeah, so I got up there Friday evening. Didn't get to pre fish at all. Pretty much everybody we fish against had been there since uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, they spent a few days, so a lot of those guys had had uh, had a little bit of advantage. We had a really bad storm Friday night, like all night. We were supposed yeah. to get hit with a little bit. It ended up raining from like 9 p.m. till three or four a.m. Uh, and it, so it was a little bit different than what they had experienced in practice because I got got a little bit of info for some guys that I'm close with in the club. Uh, and that bite that they had talked about was not there so kind of sh- trash fished entirely on on saturday i only ended up with four four keepers for no weight their spots so it was like seven pounds or something i had six pounds for four fish um but at the end of the day i found a little bit of a pattern uh again it was fishing slow either a wacky rig or a shaky head they were not eating moving baits at all uh everything i caught was either on a wacky rig or a shaky head. Uh, the second day, some guys found success on moving baits, but I didn't. I didn't mess with it because I had found uh, found a pretty good bite with the wacky rig and a shaky head fishing uh, weed weed edges, and then any stump that you found would have a fish on it. So mm-hmm. caught a pile of fish. I mean, probably a hundred twelve inch spots. They're everywhere. You I mean, you can't keep them off. Uh, ended up losing a couple nice fish Sunday that would have put me in better position. Just one of those things. You, you know how it goes. Broke one off because. I'll tell you, anybody, if you fish a spot lake, tournament fish or not, keep it in your mind that when you catch a couple, change your, like, re Because they got them stupid, sharp little teeth, and I'm just catching them rolling down the bank, and I get to a dock, and there were certain there were certain docks and walkways that were holding largemouth where I had seen them. So I we got up to one. I said, that looks like where I've been seeing them. Perfect little skip with that wacky rig <laughs> up underneath there. As soon as it hits the water and starts fluttering out, I see the line go, ding, and I go, there she is. I wind down, set the hook, and the line comes back through the air and there's no hook Ten there. Pounder. And I'm like, oh, it could have been could have been a one pounder, I don't know, but <laughs> broke that fish off. So that was my my big lesson learned uh, from that. Um I only found three or four fish that were actually locked on beds, caught every single one of them. But the, that storm I think would have done is the wind, the rain, lightning, everything had pushed the fish off Friday that the guys had found that were locked on. So Saturday, all the fish I saw were doing big six seven foot eight foot circles around their beds and they just weren't interested in anything uh, like i said the f- i found three locked on the first day caught all three of them There were three or my four Uh the second day i only found one caught it but they were still just doing those big circles and it was just it was just a weird tournament because of the weather uh, i had never seen them pull that kind of water at gaston i mean it was was it ripping dude like Creating wake on the backside of docks ripping. They were pulling wow. so much water because they were flowing out of car from the rain we had the previous week. Yeah. Generating the same time. My plan initially was to run up the river because I had had some spots up there that I know on I'm the Virginia of the, side. Yeah, yeah, I know I'm the, like one of the only people that can get into a couple of these spots because I run yeah. an aluminum rig and I can I can get into them. uh And probably had a really good shot if I could have got up there, but it was so dirty. I had a buddy that drove '85 and crossed over some of those areas, and he was like, "If you want to fish chocolate milk, make the run, but it's like a twenty some mile run." And I just wasn't going to have it, but um, yeah. So I learned a lot. You know, it's tough. It my biggest thing is learning these bodies of water. The guy, I mean, the guys that I'm fishing against, some of them have been fishing gassing yes, since '72. Yeah, you know, yeah. The '80s, mm-hmm. '90s. Same, we talk about Jordan. A lot of retired guys fish it Sunday to Sunday. Uh, so for me, it's just learning, learning as I go. The club's great. Uh, if you' if you're new to an area or new to bass fishing, join a club. Uh, they're not all created equal. I will say that, but find a club that's good about sharing information. I mean, guys told me baits they were throwing, stuff they were looking for. Uh, you know and I share the same when I come across yeah. something. So you, you kind of get what you get out of it. But it was a beautiful weekend. We had nice sun, uh, 75, 80 degrees both days. But what did you do on
2: Sunday differently that you did on
0: Saturday? I, so saturday i spent way more time closer to the bank looking for beds because that had been the pattern that a lot of the guys had found and it was pretty late in the day because saturday before about t- eleven thirty, it was cloudy it was overcast we didn't have any sun to look yeah. for beds so i just kind of trash fished around docks and stuff yeah. and then the sun got up and that's when i started looking for beds so that didn't work as well as I was hoping it would. I noticed the fish were doing circles, so that was when I said during the later in the day I'd found a pretty good bite on the ed- edge of weed lines because they have a lot of bank grass on Gaston. Yeah. Um, some pads that I found uh, on the edge of those, and I ended up catching catching some fish off those the the second day. So that was what I decided, or the first day. So that's what I decided to do the second day. Just stayed back more, worked dock edges under docks with a shaky head and a, and a wacky. Um, fished a, a couple rocky main like I got my first fish of the day on a main main lake point rocky just a staging area we're not I, I guess it'd be a secondary point but just a staging area yeah. and uh fish that and there were a ton of fish around did you weigh um, 5 in on Sunday? I weighed 5 so yeah so, so what, I had 5 so Sunday.
2: you broke the 5 I broke my fish. 5 fish curse you, for this year yeah and, and that's something that we we talk about all the time like guys will have momentum it's either good momentum or bad momentum. And this year, like, I've had some good momentum, but Harris on Saturday was my my first yeah. five-fish limit for the season. And I tell you what, there's nothing – I think that is probably the most stressful thing that I deal with is, like, yep.
0: getting five. And what you're saying, like, I, I started off last year, which was my first year with the club, like – Gangbuster. I, the very first tournament <laughs> I fished, my first time ever on Falls Lake, I finished second. And on a tough Falls Lake, guys struggled. I caught a pile of fish. Like, I was on them. Came in the next week, finished in the check line. Uh, the next tournament in the check line, uh, we went to the river two-day, cashed a check the first day, in the second day. But then I started only four keepers, and then three, and then only one on one tournament, and then, you know, two. And so I carried that into this year, And it started with a, I skunked the first tournament I fished of the year on Jordan. It was just one of those days. We had, again, we had three day warming trend and all of a sudden we got that dang high pressure system. The temperature dropped like close to 40 degrees. The fish that were up shallow pushed off. And there was a lot of people that struggled in that one. Uh, And then I caught four the first day on Gaston and I'm like, it's never going to end. But I did, I did end up catching five.
2: I always mess, I always mess with my partner when we were out on Harris and, uh, we didn't have a limit in the boat until, uh, I was probably one at one thirty in the afternoon. I was like, here we go. Oh, I didn't here, text you here, either. He, no, you didn't text me. And everyone <laughs> That's like, because we were both fishing. Pete has to text me, uh, because he'll be like, do you got anything in the boat yet? And then the last two tournaments, it's been the last two or three <laughs> tournaments, it's been like that. And then bam, I'll catch a fish. But I started thinking about that. That, that, that was in my mind, right? Like uh, slot fish. Yes. I was catching slots and and that's how you justify it. Like when you break off, I was just a slot fish. When you're not on Harris, (laughs) when you're not on Harris, I was, that was a 10 pounder, dude. At least that was a 10 pounder. not on But, but I got to thinking about that. And then I'll always mess with my partner and be like, ah, it's the banana dude. He's like, you did not. (laughs) I'm like, I didn't, (laughs) but it's funny. But it's just one of those things, and Pete, you you mentioned something like if you're new to an area, check out the clubs, check them all out, and talk to the anglers in the clubs. But if you have a desire to fish competitively, whether or not it's at the local level, or you're trying to work your way all the way up at the top, it's a it's good to build scar tissue yeah. in these one day club tournaments
0: because you'll find out quickly if 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 competitive bass fishing's for you or not. Yeah, you know? when you when you zero or do or have a bad tournament or or feel like you're getting stomped, but you want to keep doing it, then you know, yeah. like then you you know it's still competitive. Somebody hyped me up over the
2: phone. Uh, I won't name names, but you know who you are, and was like, "You better win." And I'm like, yeah. "Listen, it's just fishing. I don't care if I'm on the body water five days a week. In the spawn, especially, it's anybody's game."
0: Yeah, this you is a know? tough time of year anywhere in the country as fish yeah. start to spawn. But, but those fisheries that we fished,
2: and, and Ben lives on a very different fishery. Every single fishery that we fished this weekend, whether or not it was your home like Gaston, Harris, they're all different.
0: They yeah. all set and up And I will different. say, I don't know if we influenced it or not, but I know quite a few of our guys listen to podcasts. But it was the first time, and I fished Gaston. This would have been the fourth time I fished with this club. We had a big cooler full of spots on the second day. Oh. Guys yeah. were throwing them in. Yeah. So I don't know if we had a play to roll in that or guys were just getting fed up. But um man, I n- having the knowledge that I have getting to talk to Corey and knowing what those fish do, it is absolutely ruined that fish. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah. You can say that you think the spots are making it better. I think the biggest spot weighed was like two and a half pounds. Wow. Guys' fingers are coming back bleeding from catching twelve inch spots, fourteen inch spots. I mean, I think the first day fourteen pounds won it. Second was like twelve pounds, which is a funny story. Uh, I won't call the guy out, but he caught twelve pounds like before eight thirty and thought he had her and came back and took a nap and ordered lunch.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh Timmy Horton down. But huh?
0: but but that tells
1: you something that he thought he had. He it thought 12, he had it with twelve, 12 pounds. pounds. Twelve
0: pounds one day too. Yeah.
1: Twelve um, pounds, I mean, I know it's tough fish fishing conditions, but it's spawning time. Yeah. No,
0: I mean I mean if the spots weren't in there and you had a largemouth fishery still, it would have been more you would have found fish. You would have found bigger largemouth. I mean, big fish was four pounds on a lake that used to produce eight, nine, ten pound fish. I won big fish on that lake in
2: 2019 with a four pounder. Yeah. Like I came in, I don't know what I placed, but I won big
0: fish. But and- if I like if I pull the score sheet and show you, it was like fourteen one, twelve was second and then like the entire rest of the field was like nine pounds and some ounces like yeah. the whole rest of the field <laughs> it was and it was just like we talked about with Corey, and and redcrest brian thrift one averaging 15 pounds a day under that the average was nine and that's what you're getting on on these fishers where the spotted bass are so not to go into to that again but Think don't move fish people. It is absolutely destroying fisheries. And I, I Pete will not make it into the bass fishing hall of fame
2: with nine pounds of spots. No,
0: <laughs> if I make it in the bass fishing hall of fame, it's going to be for hitting him with a baseball bat or something. Uh, <laughs> but no, but, don't move fish. Yeah, uh but it was all, all in all was a good weekend. I learned a lot. Learned a different part of the lake. I'd always fished up the lake. If you want to say the river that side, I ran down towards the dam. Uh, cleaner water i also will say trey you asked what was different uh, i noticed i had i couldn't catch fish in dirty water yeah so from the same. rain the backs of the creeks and stuff were muddied up could not get bitten there so i had to i had to find those areas in clean water yeah for me to get bit now other guys
1: did really well in dirty water the, the only the only time i am successful in, in dirty water seems to be like late february early mm. march yeah red crankbait but after a warm dirty rain. But, <laughs> well, no, no, like, I, I would, I, yeah. that's when I would go search it out after a warm rain, that time, very specific set of conditions. Mm-hmm. I know I can get bit in dirty water. Otherwise, I'm looking for two, at least two to three feet visibility if I can get yeah. it. I'm, I'm pretty confident
0: saying. in dirty water, but I couldn't, I just couldn't get bit in it.
2: And then you see the most strange things. Like, I watched on Baden Lake a guy win out of the back of the boat with a green pumpkin chatter or a bladed jig in chocolate milk water like it doesn't even make any sense but it but it did i mean he won with like 16 pounds out of the back of a boat you know so it was a cool weekend all in all um good weather good weather things are heating up things are heating up for for us here locally things are heating up for for the elites for the opens NPFL. pfl they got schedules heating
0: up they're just finishing up right pratt right patman they just finished that up and yep. we'll have one of their anglers on uh next episode for y'all yeah it should be a pretty cool so
2: breaking it down we talked about the hall of fame uh inductees we talked about milliken congratulations to him on on smoking the competition on toledo bend we talked about our local derbies and stuff like that um Man. hopefully we have a better
0: season you got anything else
1: no i think that's about it yeah I was gonna make a joke, but I'm not allowed. <laughs>
0: no, come on, let's hear I, it. It's I'm
1: gonna not, be about me, so let's just just get it out there. I'm not allowed to fish tournaments because I smoke everybody else on <laughs> <laughs> the Milliken yeah. in Raleigh, North Carolina. That's right.
2: Oh uh, man, we're excited uh, to see those guys come down to our home waters. Yeah, too, we're hoping so.
0: to bring you some on the water stuff from from the open, from practice and whatnot. We've yeah, we'll, at we'll, least we'll, Ben and I have we'll applied. Try to it, that we're out. gonna try to get yeah. some stuff going from that. Some different some different content for y'all, but. Yeah. Thanks but, for listening.
2: Yeah, folks, check us out. Leave us a review. Shoot us a comment. Let us know what you think. We appreciate the support. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode.
0: That's a
2: good
0: one. That's a good
1: one. Oh, God. It's a toad. No. It's a <laughs> f- toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. feel like it's going to be a bad day.